0: Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Well, we are back, Big Ed Idea Podcast listeners. Uh, thank you again for joining us. It is episode 2.8, and uh, we got a little bit of uh, East Coast flair with us this evening. Um, you know, I've, I've got some, some buddies up there in the Boston uh, area. Not quite sure if this guy is close to that, um, but I've got a dude that hails from the great state of Massachusetts. You may know him if you uh, tinker around in the Twitter world. Um, Tonight's or this morning's guest is none other than the Chris Jones. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is a teacher-centered leader, which I absolutely love saying that. Um, He is the 2022 MASCA Admin of the Year, and uh, he's a blogger. He's an author. He's got a book coming out. It's called Seeing to Lead, How to Support, Engage, and Empower Teachers. Um, so without, you know, any more of my words, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the Big Ed Idea Podcast.
1: Oh, Ryan, I thank you. I can't thank you enough for having me on. And boy, that introduction. Um, I don't know about that accent that you had, but I don't I hope I don't sound like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> You know, it's like when people try to talk West Kentucky. You know where I'm yeah. from. Yeah, no, we are. Uh, I and I am. I'm not too far from Boston. I'm probably about 40 minutes southeast of Boston, so it's easier for me just to say I'm in the Boston area because that's sure. where people I identify with. Sure, but sure. This is this is great. I look forward to talking to you. Yeah. So just a little bit of clarification.
0: I want to make sure. Um, you know, you are the 2022 Masca Admin of the Year, and my um. Google skills are not very good, but when I googled it, that means Massachusetts Association of School Counselors
1: Association. Is that correct? Yep. That's 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 right. Beautiful. The Mass School Counselors Association. So your skills are on point. All right, excellent. <laughs> yeah. So
0: like I've got royalty um on the show tonight. Yeah, I, I suppose I let me know when they show up so I can, you know, treat them accordingly. Okay. 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 Well, Chris, um, like I'm, I'm really stoked to talk. Um, you know, I'm always, always ready to talk education. Um, but when you talk about being a teacher centered leader, you are talking my words and I can't wait, uh, to get into this episode tonight. And so, um, let's just, let's just do it. You ready? Yeah. I, whenever you are, all right man, let's do it. Okay. So the first episode I always like to talk about, uh you know because um let's be honest, I'm just a guy that decided to start a podcast for my 40th birthday that uh coincidentally coincided with COVID and so you know, I'm just a dude that uh hit record with some really cool people um on the other end and so I like to let the listeners kind of get into, you know, our life and um you know who we are. Um, and so I always ask what's up at the Scott house and and so This weekend at my house has been a very um, just low-key, we just stayed at the house, we did some deep cleaning on the house, Um, yeah, one of my wife's favorite things, one of my least favorite things, Um, but you know, for a successful marriage, you just say yes, Um, and so the last couple days, we've stayed at the house, just, you know, picking up after four kids, which is always needed. Um, but that's what's going on at my house. So nothing super eventful. Um, anything better at your
1: place? No, just busy. You know, <laughs> we, we run around. You see four kids and I start to get, you know, shivers because we've got two and we're running around like crazy all the mm-hmm. time. But uh, no, this is the first weekend I was talking to you ahead of recording that uh, this is the first weekend at the beginning of a vacation. We get a week's vacation now um and we're all just tired so we ran around a little bit i've got my mother up from connecticut visiting and staying over because she wants to see my oldest he's got a tournament he's wrestling in on monday tomorrow and then the following day is his birthday so you know it's kind of all hands on deck we try to do something really special for birthdays but other than that you know we're just kind of we're just kind of taking it slow a little while to ease into vacation absolutely man
0: Okay, so the next thing we always like to do is to model for those folks out there just that idea of connections before content. Um, I think I think you would definitely agree with me that um, connections are pretty much at the basis of everything we do. And so I really like to get to know my guest um, and I want my guest to get to know me a little bit more. And so I try to ask questions that are completely out of the realm of education. Um, so Chris, I've got a question for you. Um I have never let's see, I've never been east of Scranton, New York. Yep, never been east of Scranton, New York. So if I was to come to your town in Massachusetts, what is something that I would definitely have to check out?
1: Oh geez. Well, I'll tell you what, can I can I cheat on this? Because my town's kind of smaller. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything, you know, beyond (laughs) the water tower that you'd want to check out. Okay. Okay. uh, um, So cheat away. So if you were to come to Boston, I mean, there's tons of things to check out. But one thing I would definitely check out is the Freedom Trail. Um, You know, it's the painted bricks that walk you around Boston um, and show you kind of the historic sites from the American Revolution. So if you ever come out and do that, I would say sometimes I would say go just south of us to Plymouth. Yeah. Um, but Plymouth Rock is one of the most uh disappointing sites <laughs> that people ever travel to. It's it's like it's like a gazebo with a rock sitting in it. And the rock, you know, I had some I used to I come from Oregon. I used to live in Oregon
0: okay. and
1: uh I had relatives come out here and they wanted to see Plymouth Rock. And I'm like, Are you sure? Really? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, we gotta see it. And I I drove around really? Plymouth. <laughs> yeah, right. I drove him to Plymouth and I looked over the railing of the gazebo to see this little Broken down rock and they were like, uh, is is that it? (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, that's that's what we got. That's what um, we got. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you were to, if you were to come to this area, I would have to say, um, we've got some cool beaches not too far from me if you if you like the ocean and that's your thing. Um but uh in Boston it would have to be the Freedom Trail. But I'm kind of a history nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and I'll be honest, the the everything I know about Boston.
0: I learned from watching the Boondock Saints. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, that's like my number one favorite movie of all time. So I've watched it a lot, but I'm pretty sure Boston is not like Boondock Saints. So, yeah, next time I'm out there, let's go. Let's go uh, check out some of that. Is that where Sam Adams Distillery is?
1: No. And, you know, I don't really... Oh, That's a here's... letdown, too. But, but here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know where Sam Adams Distillery is, to be honest with you. I'm not a huge beer drinker, oh okay. Um, so I don't, uh, I'm not into all that stuff, and I'm missing out on the microbreweries that are around. So I okay. know we have a brewery around the corner from my town, but I've never been there, so I okay. couldn't tell you okay. if that's a site to check out. Okay, well then when I come out to Boston, I'm, I'm going to check out those
0: painted bricks and go around because I too am, an, am a history nerd. So yeah, that would be yeah. a lot of fun.
1: We've got. Uh, Just to just to jump in real quick, we've also along the Freedom Trail, we've got old Ironsides, which is USS Constitution. It's the oldest commissioned ship in the Atlantic Fleet. Um, I just was able finally maybe, geez, two years ago, I get all messed up with this COVID thing. We took my kid up. He was reading a book where Bunker Hill made an appearance in the book. And so we took him up to that monument. Then we took him on the ship and they loved that. Sure. And the state house has some really cool rooms. Like they got the hall of flags with a bunch of different flags from different eras in time and things like that. So
0: very cool. Very cool. My, uh,
1: my oldest is 18. She's in
0: college. Um, she would probably be interested in learning some history stuff. My 10, seven and five-year-old probably not, but, uh, Hey, there comes the time. So, um, Chris, my next question, everybody's got one. Uh, So I'm um, curious to ask you, what is your favorite day of the week and why?
1: My favorite day of the week. I know. Man, that's a tough one. It makes you think. Um, If I had to pick one, I would have to say Saturday. Okay. And that's because Friday, I've had a chance Friday night to wind down from the week and, you know, if I'm tired or whatever. Um, I make it a point to walk away from work, um, for as much time as I can on the weekends. And so that pretty much opens up Saturday and I pick up where I need to on Sunday, late morning or afternoon to do the last few things I need to do to be ready for the next day. So, um, Saturday's dedicated to family. We're out doing something. We're over at my in-laws or my in-laws are over here having family dinner each week. Um, so, you know, you get a chance to fire up that grill or hang out, but it's really, it's really low key. Mentally, you can just kind of let go and not have to think about what's coming up next or, or remember what just happened.
0: Which is super hard for a principal to do. So I love the fact that you were saying that. Um, at one point in my admin experience, I was an elementary principal and I thought you had to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, <laughs> now I'm, I'm not even joking. So I learned quite a bit from that. And I too love Saturday. Um, I tell my kids at school, Um, only day better than friday is saturday because we get to get up and not have to do anything if we don't want to um but yeah definitely i like that day so um chris what getting to know you questions did you bring to the table for me this evening
1: all right i've got two for you the first one and um seeing that they're outside of education and things like that what are you passionate about what drives you
0: outside of education um I love working out, fitness type of stuff. Um, Normally, let's say during the week, Monday through Friday, I'm in the gym. I'm at school. One of the perks of working at a high school, there's a weight room. So I get to the weight room by five in the morning every day. Um, But then that helps me with another passion, which is writing. Um, I'm writing my first book, um, which is, yeah, which is all about the hope coefficient. And it's basically about taking the science of hope and applying it to the classroom, um, or the school, um, around this idea that psychology has to come before pedagogy. Um, so yeah, I'm in the middle of that knee deep and writing that. So, um, what can you find me doing when I'm not at school? Most likely working out um, writing. And then outside of that, I'm a music nerd. I love music. I love all kinds of music. Um, I play the banjo, I play the drums, I play the piano. Um, pretty much there's not any genre of music. Well, I'm not a big
1: country person, but, um, yeah,
0: music is my thing too.
1: Cool. I um, am. And I'm going to ask you something about your state as well. I went to Kentucky once for a wedding, Okay, and part of where we were was in one time zone, and the other part where we were driving to was in a different time zone, and one part held up daylight savings time, and the other part didn't, so what's up with that, right, like in the middle of your state, or it's like a quarter oh, yeah. of your state? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, like, so, okay, so you might have been in, so I'm in I western Kentucky, where I'm in Western Kentucky and you drive about probably an hour East and you hit Eastern time zone. There's not like this sign that lets you welcome, Hey, welcome to the Eastern standard time. Um, you know, I mean, it's some fictitious line they drew through the center of the state and, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Like 10 minutes to the left, somebody can be in central 10 minutes to the right. Somebody can be in Eastern um, but I'll tell you something even worse than that. I grew up in southern Indiana, um, actually in a little town called Santa Claus, Indiana, um, where there's this. Yeah. Look no, it up.
1: Come on. Come I on. I swear to you, man. I Santa Claus, you, Indiana.
0: swear to you. Look it up when you're that's when awesome. Your, when your kids send a letter to Santa Claus, it goes to that town. And there are people that work there all year to answer the letters and stuff and send them. And then there's a huge um, amusement park as well called Holiday World, which is getting really, really big. Um, But you drive 10 minutes north and everybody is on fast time, which is eastern time. You drive south where I grew up. Everybody is on slow time, which is central. So literally in high school and I think still to this day, anytime that something's going on, everybody asks you. Fast time, slow time. Fast time or slow time? Oh. It, it, yeah.
1: So, yeah, that, the, huh. that that's where I'm at. That just always fascinated me. I was wondering if you were somewhere near that area, but thank God I'm not. I don't have yeah. to deal
0: with that anymore.
1: Yeah. But that's uh, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for uh, okay for asking. I mean, you, I, the only other thing I was going to ask you is what your normal week looked like, but you kind of answered that with your with what you're passionate about. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Like exercise. You, do, are you like a pick things up, put things down type of guy or do you just, or do you, do you just do it to do it or do you do it because you have a goal in mind? Like I love, I was having a conversation about this the other day with my kid um, because my neighbors tease me, they'll see me picking stuff up and walking it across the yard where my wife's directing me where this needs to go, or that needs to go. <laughs> and they say, he just keeps walking back and forth. And uh I just for some reason I see something on the ground um, that's big and I'm like, I bet you I could pick that up. <laughs> and I just get excited about picking stuff up. So so I think it's the Scottish in you. Could be. I think could be.
0: it's you know the Highland I'm, games. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm obviously Scottish as well. And yeah. Um, but no, um, I got into I played high school soccer all growing up. Played soccer from the time I was four to the time I was 18. Um, and then I turned into an idiot um, till I was about, I mean, to be honest. And so I didn't really do much, anything good for my body for the next 10 ish years. And when um, I found out I was going to be a dad, I decided to, that I needed to clean up physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. And so I went back and started working out. And now it's become a passion. Like every month I've got a different, um, every month I've got a different fitness goal. Um, I believe 100% in the power of 1%. So as long as I'm 1% better than yesterday, like a, the atomic Hot, atomic habits, uh, by James clear. So yeah, I'm just, you know, heart, heart disease runs in my family and I am, I am determined that I'm going to live as long as possible.
1: Good for you. That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's so that's me. And so, all right, Chris. One of the things that I am always interested in is how people. Let, let me let me rephrase that. How education found people. Um, my story is definitely not linear. Um, definitely did not find education just as a straight path. And so, I always like to ask people what their origin story is for education. And so, if you'll let our listeners know. How did Chris
1: Jones find education? Um, I, you know, it'd be really easy to say Chris Jones was badgered into finding education. <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> my my path really hasn't been linear. I, you know, I I went through school, um, played sports in school, which is basically why I attended school. I was completely disengaged throughout high school. But, you know, I, I chose how I, which college I went to by the college that paid me the most money to play football for him. So... I did that, and then I wrestled um, through through college, got out, didn't really know much what to do, um, and I ended up being – but I remember sitting in my high school classroom saying, like, really? There's got to be a better way to do this. Sure. This this is like I'm bored, I'm I whatever. It. Don't see a lot of people caring, um, that kind of stuff. And I, um, I I get out. I end up being a coppersmith. Um, so I, I, I'm working copper, things like that. Then I end up, and this is actually going to be a cool story when I bring it back around, or at least it was for me. I, um, I, I end up going out on a side job because of my skill with soldering, um, where a guy in Boston had to solder some vertical seams next to a street where people could see it and needed it done neatly called my boss. My boss said, I got just the guy for you. I met him, got tied up with this other guy. And on the side, I did historic doors and windows in Boston. Um, So I was really in the trades for a while. And I, history nerd, I would take my family members and friends and I'd give them tours like of Gettysburg, um, Sharpsburg, places like that. And they kept saying, Chris, you got to be a teacher. You got to be a teacher. And you know, I, I, I would always tell them I went to school in an inner city and I, I always told them, I said, Hey, look, I, I went to high school. I know what that looks like. It's kind of a boring place. Um, uh, teachers spend a ton of time on classroom management. I'll teach anything to anybody that is interested in learning, but if they think I'm going to spend 90% of my time doing behavior stuff, they're out of their tree. <laughs> so, I, you know. know, right. And, you know, all the while I've got, you know, in the meantime, I've got my mother and my grandfather's the time, chirping in my ear about, yeah, well, okay. So you don't like high school. Um, you didn't like high school. That's great. Stop complaining about it unless you're going to fix it. If you're not going to fix it, shut your mouth. So I like them already. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, I decided to go back. I say, fine, fine. I'll do it. Okay. Um, thinking ahead, kind of like, yeah, this is good stuff to do, but what am I going to do when I'm 60? Um, and so I went back to school did the education thing. And I'll never forget the phone call and I'll never forget it because my mother will never let me forget it. I called her when I landed my first teaching job and I said, mom, you'll never guess. I got hired. She's like, Oh, that's great. Where are you working? I said, at an alternative high school. (laughs) Sweet, (laughs) Yeah. 90% behavior. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Okay. Chris. Yeah. Brilliant boy. So I, um, you know, and and, Hey, I started teaching there and I, I didn't use conventional methods to teach. Um, the kids really latched onto me. I I latched onto them and I never looked back. And so from there, um, my next job was in new Bedford, Massachusetts, which is really inner city. It's a gateway city, um, with all the issues of inner city stuff and loved it. And that's just, and, you know, from there on, I, I went and, um, then moved up to my principal left there and went to a school and asked me to follow her up there. And so I, spent my first year in admin being a part-time assistant principal and a part-time special ed team chair. And so, uh, yeah, from there I just went and, you know, it it took me a while to kind of, that's how I found education, but to form my, my why, if you will, or um, the idea of my just cause it's, you know, to improve the educational experience for everybody involved. Um, You know, and I, I tack onto it by being purposeful acting with integrity and building your character. But, um, because school wasn't good for me. The experience wasn't good for me. And because it wasn't good for me, it wasn't good for my mother. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm sure it wasn't good for teachers. And I, I tell this story in my book, um, or, or hit on this story in my book, that the idea is I had it wrong. Um, I had a chip on my shoulder in high school, because I had teachers that I knew had more in them and they just they just kind of weren't letting go it's you know take this home read it come in take a five question quiz blah 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 um and for the longest time i blamed the teachers for it and it wasn't until later that i realized until i got into admin well actually before that an interaction i had with one of my principals um that it wasn't that the teachers were doing that because look nobody wants to nobody wants to be bad at their job no nobody Nobody tries to be bad right you're right um so it wasn't until then that I kind of switched my perspective and the light bulb went on that it wasn't the teachers doing this it's because the teachers weren't imagine this supported engaged or empowered by their leaders mm-hmm. hence the teacher centered principle, um, hence those three words so that's I mean that's kind of it in a nutshell yeah um, yeah yeah and you know I too uh, have
0: a just a crazy passion for Alternative kids, alternative learning, alternative settings, um, kids on the fringes, kids that, you know, I love, love, love the kids that I hear an adult in my building say are never going to succeed. Love those kids because at the end of the day, when those kids succeed, oh man, it is so sweet. Um, so, yes, man, I totally get it. And, and, you know, I love the fact that you have that non traditional CTE background. And I love the fact that you're at the high school now. So you see the, um, I think the importance in the, in that route for some of our kids. Um, And so I'm super excited. Let's, let's start kind of digging into uh, the meat of this episode. And so, you know, you've got an idea, obviously, but behind that idea has to be a problem. So what does Chris see as the problem in education
1: that your idea hopes to solve? Okay, so we're going to get rid of all the standardized testing and, and low-hanging fruit like that to point out those problems first. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to skip over those because that's your general answer. Yeah. The, the, the problem in education, as I see it, is that teachers aren't happy coming to their jobs teachers see their jobs or are starting more and more and we're we're witnessing this by the teachers leaving granted the pandemic teachers are tired they're overwhelmed things like that i get that but even before that teachers aren't always really happy about their job of course they love their kids and things like that but they when they when they get down into it um it's it's just about and they they find themselves trying to latch on to those few kids that they made a difference for well that's kind of a problem when you're talking about the type of the type of career um, teaching is. And so what I hope to do is I'm not, I mean, think of Sunday nights, right? Where a teacher's sitting at home saying, Oh God, I got work tomorrow. Right. You know, I'd like to stay up later, but I, I got to go to bed and right, oh, right. what's this going to be like tomorrow. Um, And they're kind of dreading that. And if you ask teachers or ask people, in, in, any, in any walk, Sunday nights, they once they retire, they say, I never have to have another Sunday night where I feel like that. Well, that's what I want to do. I want Sunday nights to be like, oh yeah, I've got school tomorrow. I, I'm not looking for cartwheels and handsprings coming into the building. But I'll tell you what, if I get a teacher that's like, oh yeah, I got school tomorrow, comes into work, good attitude, is happy to be there, feels supported in what they do, and meaningfully supported, and like they can take risks. And, you know, if they make mistakes, they'll be picked up, feels engaged, like they're noticed, and what they're doing matters, and it's connected to their personal why they're into education in the first place, and they're empowered to make decisions and run their classrooms. You get a teacher like that, and that just, the passion flows through them for what they're there for, whether it's whether it happens to be content built on building relationships, whether it happens to be the idea of being up in front of the students and then working among the students as students are learning and the light bulbs are going off. If a teacher gets passionate about that, I I dare you to find me students that don't benefit. Amen. So the way I do that and the way, and again, this kind of goes back to where I come from. The way I get kids fired up or engaged in school is by putting those fired up and engaged teachers in front of them, because I'm I'm a principal. I've got 1,200 kids in my school. No matter how many groups of kids I meet with, no matter how often I meet with them, I'm in classrooms all day long. I can't have the same impact as that teacher has that looks at 100 students. And so, if I if if I use those teachers as my big domino, that's how I get a done. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So, all right then what's your what's your big idea? How are we going to do that? All right. The big idea is what I wrote the book on, and um, oh, and and by the way. I just, if I can circle back a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, circle back. I, I told you I had a funny story about, well, a, a cool story about the whole copper work thing. So I I landed um, a speaking thing at the national conference, mm-hmm. the National Principles Conference. Yeah. And it had been a goal I set. So I got it. So I was pretty psyched. And so I was speaking about seeing to lead. And I walk out of the building in Boston where we are. And I look, I happen to look over, I was meeting with somebody. I happen to look over and look up and there's the, the solder joints There it was. That I did across the street. And I just sat for a minute. It was a moment like, so this is where you've come, you know, from sitting on that thing, looking down at the street at people passing and working to now I'm presenting this idea I have to help improve education. So it was kind of, it's kind of a
0: cool minute. So I have got one of those um, moments as well. And, And you're right, like, okay, so when I moved to this town, um, there was a time when I was working three jobs, going to school, I was a single dad, I was cleaning pools during the summers as a side gig, I was bartending at night, I was selling copy machines as well. Um, And one of the very first pools that I ever cleaned out um, happened to be this nasty pool on this house with five acres next to a lake, and I remember being like, man, someday I'm going to own a house like that. And jump forward um, probably 15 years, probably 15 years. My wife and I see this house. We walk in, we make an offer, we get the house. And then I realize, like three months later, holy crap, this is that pool that yes. I, yeah, yeah. Yes. And when I was a 23-year-old idiot, there's no way I would have had the the resources to buy a place like this. And so yeah, I love stories like that because a lot of them a lot of us have those types of stories. And so I don't want to get off on that tangent, but I man, I, I feel you. Those are awesome stories.
1: Yeah, no, that's that I love I love that story. So so here it is. I my idea is supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers. And you know, when I say I'm a teacher centered leader, sometimes that makes heads turn. I right. say, "What? How can you not be student centered? You're supposed to be student centered." Um, the way I make it about the students is by supporting teachers. So that what it equates to is the best way for me to explain it is if you picture a, a flywheel, and I actually I have it on my background um, on my screen. But that first step is to support teachers, and that means, first of all, making sure teachers feel supported in the ability to make mistakes and get back up, and uh-huh. things like that. But to be there, and you do that through I, I, you do that through frequent observations, um, through feedback, informal observations, and things like that. Um, I use different tools and stuff like that to do it. But what it what it means is you work to build a relationship with the teacher each individual teacher, and you find out where their strengths are and you find out where their weaknesses are. And then you work together with them to create a map as to how they get to increasing their skill level in the areas where they're deficient. And you work with them to do that because then there's that ownership piece. And then you do what you can to clear things out of the way so that they can build bridges over all the, the, the the crevices, the ravines, the the bumps in the road that they're going to have. But it's important to know that they're on that journey on their own. You're there to support them, but you can't make it happen for them. And that's where growth starts to happen. So once you start doing this, it's important to explain to them or show them why it's important that they do it and, and let other people know about their successes. And that's the engagement piece. See, we all like to talk about vision and mission for schools, right? Vision, mission, vision, mission. What's your vision of the graduate? Things like that. Um, But that doesn't mean a whole lot, that big vision, if the teacher isn't connected to it. Sure. And there's different ways to get into that. Like You can run different activities, different groups, and, and so forth, where you talk about your whys and your visions and things like that. So that's good if you do something with it. One of the things that we did as is, is my staff, I brought them in and we all started talking about our whys. And so everybody got their whys and then we broke up into groups and the group shared their whys with that smaller group, that smaller audience. And then we came back, we talked about it a little bit to look for commonalities. Then we broke up again into different groups and looked for themes. And then after we did that, we came back, we talked about it and we broke up and we created stories that illustrated the whys. Oh, cool. For the simple fact that when we talk about it, people want a story, people learn from a story. So I can tell you my why. Sure. But if 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 I tell you a story, you're going to remember it. And you're going to say, Oh, okay. So just and I I blew through that activity. But just that just you can do different activities like that the trick being right. Um, And maybe tricks the wrong word, because it might seem negative. But the the idea behind that, so that people can identify reconnect with or highlight their personal why they got into teaching and by meeting with other people and telling that story and and obviously crafting a story of the vision for the school they see where they fit and how they're connected and if the larger vision if their smaller vision connects them personally to the larger vision they'll run through walls to hit that larger vision that's exactly right for
0: that's so, exactly
1: right And then, you know, and then it's promoting, it's, you know, you tell a story like they're the lead on the news every night, whenever you see something good going on, Um, pictures, social media, everything. Um, And then the empowerment piece, the whole idea is you move from that engagement piece to where you can get people to where they're empowered and empowering is the tricky part because there's a, there's a part of release in there for leaders Um, going through a stage of releasing for leaders is the highest level of engagement, but the lowest level of empowerment because leaders have to let go. And that's kind of scary because we're on the hook for things, Sure, but it takes trust and it takes a a hundred percent hardcore belief in the idea that if you empower somebody, they're going to do the best they can. And if you empower them, right, it's going to be just outside of their zone of comfort because it's something they haven't done before. And there is a really good chance that it's going to be a partial failure. And when that happens, you have to be there to support them. So you do that by highlighting what went right, and then saying, okay, so next time you do this, and always looking towards the future, um, what can we do to make it a little better? Or how does that situation play that we can make a better decision next time? You do not, you do not redo what you asked them to do because that defeats the purpose of them being empowered and you don't step in and take over. Now, obviously if there's a train wreck or there's safety issues, you have to, but um, because once you do that and you empower them, see, then they get back to the support piece because they'll fall down a little bit. And that's when you need to support again. So you begin that circle again, the whole idea is to get that circle rotating as fast as possible. So you're constantly in one of these states and it just kind of blends together because if you, empower a teacher if you give them something to do and you do something like step in and take over if you do something like you know not accept the result for what it is because that's not the way you would have done it um if you don't support them when they fall a little short well they're never gonna they're never gonna step out on that limb again you've lost never try again you're right so but the so i mean in a nutshell that. That's what it's about. And the book, the book has a bunch of, you know, personal anecdote stories, um, strategies that I use, things like that. And it explains it, obviously, in greater detail.
0: Yeah, excellent, man. I'm, you know, I've always been a believer in uh, I trust you and you you give me a reason not to Um, kind of my philosophy I've always had with my children. I have that same philosophy with my um, teachers at school, you know, lesson plans. Yes, I require them. Yes, I kind of look at them. Um, but at the end of the day, I trust my people until they give me a reason not to. Um, and I love the, the, the fact that you're saying, you know, just have that mindset that people are at the end of the day, everybody in your building is doing the very best that they can. Um, you know, I don't want to be in a building where an administrator is deficit thinking, you know, like, Oh, you know, she didn't come in. She's not in it for the kids. Mama. I don't want to live like that.
1: Right, right. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that, but where did we, where did we as leaders arrive at a point where we look at kids and we say, hey, if they could do better, they would, and tell teachers that and think that we have all the answers of what's in the best interest of students, and then look at a teacher that who knows what they've got going on in their personal life. Who knows how bad there are the three lessons oh, went. for sure, for sure. And, yeah. Right? And yeah. and say, and not carry that over and be able to say, hey, if they could do better, they would.
0: Yeah. Nobody,
1: nobody gets up in the morning, and, you know, hitting it again for the fourth, fifth day that week. Nobody gets up, gets dressed, rides into work thinking, you know what? I think I'm just going to be awful today. <laughs> nobody does that. Come well, on. No, no. I.
0: You know, I've met a lot of people in my time and I can't I can't honestly say that that I've ever met anybody that wanted to fail, you know, right. you know, and, and and I like what you said, though, uh, a little bit earlier. You know, it's based on that relationship piece between you and the teacher um, that the teacher knows you have their back, um, that the teacher knows that it's completely acceptable for them to try some crazy mm-hmm. idea that they've been dreaming about Um, because at the end of the day that, you know, you trust them. And I want some passionate people in my building. Um, I've always told my teachers, I want you being a little cocky. Like I want you thinking (laughs) like you are a rock star because you are a rock star. Um, I say this all the time. Somehow, somehow we've gotten away from the notion that the two most important people in society at one time in a society were um the the religious people and the teachers. Um and those were the most revered, respected. And now in some places our, our professor profession is more micromanaged than anything else. And so I love what you're saying, Chris. Um support, engage, empower. Um it, it it's it's crazy. I mean that's what we ask teachers to do for our kids, right?
1: Right. Right. And, you know, it's I'm so glad you said the micromanaging thing, because I think to myself, um, sometimes I want to look at people that are micromanaging because we have school boards and so forth, people that aren't in education, but they went to school. So they know how schools run. (laughs) Um, They they're not in education and they set policy. That's okay, But we know that never stops there. They always try to dip their fingers in deeper into different things. And then you have parents. Who have no problem going in front of the board saying the schools don't know what they're doing or the teachers this, the teachers that, that don't, that don't have a background in education. And I think to myself, when's the last time you went to a doctor's office to see the doctor? The doctor tells you what's going on or what you need to do. And you say, Well, mm, see, I don't, I don't think you know what you're talking about because you know, I've been to a doctor before, yeah, and I don't think it's right. Yeah. So it just really and that's another, I mean, that's another thing leaders have to do is, um, and I know it's old hat, but they've, they've got to tell the story of the stuff that's going on in their school. And they really just have to hold their teachers up as the experts of their craft. Not saying that there aren't going to be times where teachers make mistakes. Uh, I mean, heck, I always say, if you want to see a mistake, follow me around for 10 minutes. I'll make Absolutely. another one. For sure. For sure. But um, the idea that a, a mistake can't be fatal, um, I don't know where we lost that either. people are going to make mess up and they say, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I really messed that up. I'll do this. Why, why would you ride somebody hard for that? Instead? I mean, they took ownership, right? They're accountable and they're going to fix it. And you move from there.
0: Yep. I always say all the time, if I wanted to be a manager, I would have worked at captain D's. Like, I don't want to be a manager. Like I'm, I'm not a manager. Um, I don't know if you guys have Captain D's out there, but... Uh, we do not. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So let's say this. If I wanted to be a manager, I would have worked at McDonald's.
1: I was just going to say, uh, hmm. you could hit like McDonald's or Burger King That's or whatever. Yeah.
0: Listen, there's yeah. McDonald's in like Abu Dhabi. So I'm pretty yeah. sure McDonald's is synonymous. Um, but what I mean by that, I think you know what I mean by that, but I didn't get in this business because I want to tell people what to do. Like, right? I became an administrator because I wanted to make the biggest difference in my community as I could. And I wanted to surround myself with a building full of, it's my podcast so I can say this, badasses that believe that at the end of the day, it's it's their job to make the lives of their students better. And I think if we all got to the realization that that's really at the core of everything we're doing then yes lay off your people like trust your people like you're saying support your people engage your people empower your people um and then you know you, if there's somebody on your team that you know that doesn't have that at their core then that's okay and they can they can go find someplace else but i'm gonna love them through it i'm not
1: gonna be you know right. an a-hole Right. And those, you know, that's a conversation to have with people. It might not be the right place for somebody. It might not be a fit. It might not be the right career for somebody. Sure. Or, or it could be just somewhere else. And those, those difficult conversations do happen. But like you said, it's not, it's not a gotcha. It's not a, you're the worst human being in the world. It's, you know, teaching isn't for everyone. Sure. Teaching here isn't for everyone. Sure. But
0: Sure. I like that, man. I like that a lot. And so my listeners out there, I think, you know, you've learned quite a bit from Chris this evening about, you know, why we should be supporting our teachers. Um, If you're an administrator out there, you know, a little bit more about being a teacher-centered leader. Um, Love that. Absolutely love that. Um, But Chris, I want to give you a little bit of an opportunity to talk about your book, Uh, you know, talk about I guess, you know, why the why of the book and then, you know, what it's about and, and where people can find it.
1: Awesome. Um, I'll answer the, the last question first to make it easy. It's not out yet. Um, okay. But, but when it, when it comes out, it's with the publisher and okay. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for a date for it to come out. Um, but uh, yeah, the why of the book is because this works and I think I have a story to tell. I've it's funny because I was just on recently, I was on Jethro Jones's podcast, uh, transformative principle. And it was the second time I was on it. And he said, you know, Chris, he said, the funny thing about this is two years ago, when you were on this, almost to the day, you were talking about, um, being a teacher centered leader and supporting, engaging, and empowering your teachers. And he said, now you're coming out with a book on it and you've been presenting on it for two years. Um, the whole why of it is this works we have to empower the teachers in our buildings because there's no one person that can make a building what it needs to be for students amen it, yeah it, it's just not it's not possible and that's not that's not from a selfish standpoint that's not from a looking for a superhero standpoint that's just a factual standpoint that there is no leader out there no matter how good they are that can make a school what it needs to be without empowering the teachers to do that work. And, and teachers deserve that. I mean, you talk about some of the most educated people around that put their time into public education, which let's be honest, they're not doing it to be rich. Um, not where I'm at. I, I don't think anywhere. <laughs> so you know, that, that's pretty much why, because I, I think leaders need to hear that. And I think sometimes, right, we think of it this way. We, we talk about kids needing permission to do something different than what they're used to doing, right? Well, teachers need something different as well. Every once in a while, we talk about teachers, well, they just need permission to act different and they'll do it. Well, leaders need the same thing. I think there are a lot of leaders out there that need to hear this message about how you can schedule your week so that it that it works better for you to keep yourself in check. Like you even mentioned like the Saturdays that I take off, right. Um, To make sure that I stay even keel. Um, Sometimes leaders just need permission to do faculty meetings different, to get rid of midterms and finals, something we did at my school to just, sometimes we just need permission to say, you know what, this isn't necessarily on me. This is something I need to give to the teachers to do. And I need to trust the teachers. Like you said, you know, you got a great philosophy. I trust people until people give me a reason not to. Not interested in being a manager. Yep. Um, it's just, so that's the whole idea of the book. And, and along the way, it'd be easy for me to write that, right? I, I don't need a book to do that. I could do that in three blog posts. Um, but what the book does is it gives more stories about that, personal stories to me that illustrate some of these things in, in motion. It So it gives a little bit of me. It gives my thinking behind these things and then it gives tools to leaders that they can use having to do with changing your faculty meetings from sit and gets to more meaningful faculty meetings changing your your formative informal walkthroughs to something that teachers don't fear like i use voxer when i walk through the classrooms yeah yeah. so i go to a classroom for sure Mm -hmm. for sure so i i I go through i go through a classroom seven minutes in the classroom, come out, whip out my phone, send them a box so they can hear my voice. So it's personalized and it's not evaluated. value So then when I do have to sit down and talk to them about an evaluation piece, we have that relationship, out where it's not a fear thing. We know where we're coming from and what we've been doing just all kinds of different. I give a bunch of different things in the book that can do that. It's organized by those three things, support, engage, empower, um, to make it easy, it's not a thick, research dense. You know, read the. You got to read the appendices and read all the footnotes. It's not one of those. It's it's meant to be an easier read that you can refer to over and over again. I love it.
0: Well, I'm a I'm a self-professed bibliophile, so I'm going to make sure that when this comes out, I order it. Um, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I, I would agree. Um, I like. The word teacher centered leader, and I'm going to start using that for myself because uh, you're not. You know, I love being with my kids. Don't get me wrong; kids are what fuel me up every day. Uh, Love interacting Mm -hmm. with my kids. Love talking to my kids. But yeah, I'm in it for my teachers, and I think yeah, I think there's some work that we could do. And and so I appreciate you coming on tonight, talking about these really you know, what's a good idea when it just is common sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So thank you for bringing a little bit of common sense to this podcast this evening. Um, as I'm sitting here, I'm just thinking, okay, what can I do tomorrow to support my people, engage my people and empower my people. And so I'm really going to be giving it uh, personally. I'm going to be giving it some thought um, and to all those people out there, that are listening, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dare you to do the same. Um, if you're not an administrator, what can you do to support your students? What can you do to engage your students? What can you do to empower your students? Because you know, at the end of the day, everybody wants to be supported, engaged, and empowered. And so, um, Chris, I know there's some people out there that are listening that want to connect with you, that maybe you know just want to hear a little bit more about your story. So how can my friends out there in the big um, world of the edgesphere, how can they get a hold of you?
1: The, probably the quickest and easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. Okay. And that, that is at DR, as in doctor, CS Jones. Those are my first two initials with my last name. So it's Dr. Chris Scott Jones. So it's at Dr. C.S. Jones and and uh, my email. If you want to email me, my Gmail is fine. It's um it it's Dr. Chris S.J. Just messed it messed it up a little bit with the with the names. But um uh, you know if you if anybody reaches out, I will answer them. If they want to try something, want an idea, because I say I say people need permission, but sometimes they just need an idea to get started too. Because it gets overwhelming if you're sitting there. So. Anybody I want to reach out, they can do that. And if you want, Ryan, um, I have three checklists that I did as kind of an outline type of thing of the book that if you want links to them and you want to put them in your show notes, you can do that. Yeah, please. Um, please, please for the listeners. Me. Yeah, yeah. That'd so be I'll, I'll do that. One is about supporting, one's about engaging, one's about empowering. And um, then if they want, if people want on my Twitter, my pinned tweet, They can hit that link and sign up for my newsletter that comes out every week. Um, And that newsletter has something to support, something to engage and something to empower. It's usually like an article. Um, And obviously, I believe I love that you talked about building relationships before hitting the content. I always put something about myself at the end of it. Um, And I usually put like I do weekly videos that are kind of like blog posts, but they're vlogs and, and things like that. So
0: excellent, man. So Chris has been a lot of fun this evening, uh, connecting, forming a, uh, new relationship out on the East coast. So I just want to, yeah, I just want yeah, to tell you, thank you for, uh, agreeing to be on this podcast with me tonight, agreeing to, uh,
1: spend your Sunday evening,
0: um, with me. And so just thank you, man. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I'm, I'm incredibly happy that you had me on. Um, you know, look, I, I love meeting people. I I love building relationships with all kinds of different people because of what I learned from them. So I, I appreciate you for that. Thank you, brother. And to my big Ed
0: idea listeners, thank you again for hitting that play button. Um, You know, we know that time is precious. And so just the simple fact that you have spent um, you know, right at an hour with Chris and I tonight means so very much to him and to I. Um, as always, if you are interested in coming on this podcast, shoot me an email, Ryan C. Scott 1981 at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Ryan C. Scott 1981. Um, also, within, hopefully, fingers crossed my website will be launching this week, and it is ryanscotted.com, and you will see pictures of me and my family. You will see um, links to all of these podcasts. Uh, I'm going to give some updates on how my book writing is going and some of the foibles that happen along the way, Um, because look, as somebody that definitely su- suffers from a, uh, imposter syndrome Whew, writing a book is no joke and so i wanted to let you guys out there in the world kind of in on it and so yeah just just reach out to me reach out to chris and i tell you what let's change the world my friends and as my grandpa big john Janosky, every single time i left his house he'd say all right ryan i'll see you in the funny papers Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.